These are really good times to be uh, studying our Bibles and particularly looking at Galatians chapter 4. I, I am assuming that you are reading this with me uh, rather than putting big chunks up. Um, we're living in extraordinary times as everybody's aware. You don't need to be a prophet to know that these are, these are strange, tense, uh, confusing, uncertain on certain days, and, and one of the things that seems to be happening in, in my eyesight anyway, it, and probably other observers, is that the world system is, is being shown up in its weaknesses and the flaws. It, it, it's been exposed in the sense of it can highlight the problems, but it's not really great at coming up with sustainable or lasting or, or revolutionary changes that solve those problems. And, and what Paul's talking about here in Galatians 4 really gives us some insight if we're willing just to dig a little bit below the surface. So the first point here, just referring into the first few verses, 1 to 3 of Galatians 4, is that Paul's saying really that all the human race, not just the Jews who follow the law, all the human race is in bondage to laws or the principle of law and performance. Um, to the world system, which includes the religious ones, which includes even uh, the, the, the Old Testament ones, which we'll come to in a moment, is a system of the rule of law. It's a system of politics and policies, currently of media feeds and fear. I mean, in the old days, they'd have had different ways of doing it, but it, it still was out there. It, and, it, and this includes the religious. And it becomes about performance. It often has an element of fear, and it's about adhering to the external. Jesus warned us against this uh, and his phrase was to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod and that's well understood to mean by most commentators to look out for the influence of the political and the religious and, and so he said this is leaven so the kingdom of heaven, the, our kingdom of God is meant to be leaven in the lump of dough, i.e. it's supposed to be a small thing, but that influences the whole for good. Uh, but equally, the leaven of the political and the religious can be a small thing once it gets into your belief system, into the kingdom of heaven and the way we think and behave, it can corrode it. It's like a small influence that starts to affect everything. And we touched on that last time, this sense of of the virus getting into Christianity and weakening it so that we don't fully realize who we really are. We don't fully display the glory of this kingdom. So Paul here is really working hard at making sure these Galatians don't get totally sucked in to this way of thinking. Now, the law of God, the Old Testament law that Moses gave, uh, was, if you like, was God's version of a legal system and performance system but it was still a legal performance-based system so it was the superior one but it was still in the same genre so it's lumped in by Paul to this same bunch of things this same this same uh, collection of systems and rules and performance and uh, but obviously it's the specific thing that he's dealing with in a letter but he says this is a specific example of the bigger and wider principles and he, just a few verses on in verse 9, he calls these, the, this rule of law, this, 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 this kind of uh, 
set of principles, he, 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 he calls them out and he does another one of these blunt things that, that we've referred to before. He just sort of says it like it is. He says, these are weak and miserable principles. And he's including the Old Testament law in that as well as all the other stuff that's kicking off in the world. In fact, some translations have it strongly. It says weak and beggarly or worthless elementary things. I mean, it's slated. They are not seen as um, strong. They're not seen as effective. What Paul is painting here is that they were in place, but they were meant to be in place for a season until something better came. And so we were under the tutelage. We were under the, like a schoolmaster or, or, or um, someone who was looking after the kids, childminder, until the right time where we inherited something more wonderful but these principles are still there and they boss you around. They tell you what's the norm. They, they tell you what's now expected. They create culture. They create this cultural flow that we find ourselves in. And, and they create that through pressure and fear. To con and so people want to conform. But it's often external conformity. Um, and we live in this world culture. We live in this culture created by all these rules and principles and expectations and politics and all the rest of it. The reason that Paul talks about them as weak and beggarly and all those things is because actually they are. They can't give you life. In chapter 3 it talks about this. The law doesn't impart life. They don't really change you. They can kind of squeeze you because of social pressures and fears, but actual transformation happens from the inside out, and all this is about stuff from the outside in. It's external to internal. And it was all set up for a season waiting for a greater solution, and of course the greater solution was Jesus. But what he did was he freed us from the world system. He freed us from the principle of laws and performance as well as just freeing us from the principle of the law old testament we at the cross jesus did something profound not just for believers but actually for all of humanity he was the new thing he was the superior thing to this system of rules and performance he came and he set us free from that if we choose to believe it and step into it and introduce something brand new something fresh something powerful which was living from our realized identity living from being uh, indwelt by him being sons and daughters of god that's what he's saying this is a whole new way of living is living from your identity not living under this cultural flow of rules and norms of performance this is radically different uh, and and it, it spoils Christianity if it starts to get infected by the politics and the fear of man and all the rest of it because we start to we start to lose our sense of who we are and living from this new revealed identity as sons and daughters of God and we start to jump through hoops and perform. So he doesn't want them to revert to these old ways, however attractive they may seem uh, to to the external, to the the desire within us to feel like we're doing well, that we're adding something, we're performing. He doesn't want them to base their faith on that kind of thinking. And so through this chapter, I'm just going to highlight seven things that, that, that 
are, are behaviors of sons and daughters that are, are, are significant or they characterize people like us who are living authentically in their new identity and are not getting under uh, the, this, new, this old system of, of laws and performance. This is, this, is, this is dynamite to the world system. This is why Paul was so persecuted because he said, you don't need this. You don't need this stuff. Caesar is not our king. The Old Testament law is not the way that we live. We don't need the Pharisees. We don't need this stuff. We need Jesus and we need to realize that he lives in us. And when we live from him living in us, all of the bets are off. We are living in freedom. That's amazing. And here's some hallmarks. Here's some things that, that, that help us live that way and live that out that he's bringing up in chapter 4. And I'll give you the verse references. You can check them out for yourself as we go or, or at the end. So first and foremost is that the Spirit of God reveals God as Father. Why is this important? Because the reason this is important is that we tend, humanity is living with an image of God that is the product of its own imagination and it's a deception. The massive thing that Jesus does is show us God for who he truly is, not who we've imagined him to be. If we imagine that life was created by God and it was created to be full of these rules and performance and fear, then we are going to imagine a God who's fundamentally like a divine policeman who is about rules and performance. But Jesus came and he's showing us that it's the Father. He's a Father, not a policeman. And it's the Holy Spirit who comes. As we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit who comes to reveal the Father in us and cry out in us and with us, Abba, Abba, Father. Now, how it's really important how you imagine God. When I say the word God, when I to say God, what is in our minds? Because we grew up, if we we've grown up with a with a view of God that is a product of the world's imagination rather than divine revelation. Jesus revealed him as he really is. I am still guilty at times of imagining him something else, something I learned growing up or something I learned from religion or something I learned some other way. But actually, we need the Holy Spirit to remind us over and over again that he is a father and that he's a good father. As great as your earthly fathers may have been or as awful as they may have been, that they are not the perfect image of Father God. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to keep reminding us to look at Jesus Keep reminding us that the Father is a great Father uh, because we need to constantly reimagine our image of God. How we think about Him is completely vital to how we respond to Him. Um, hmm. It's really important that you just keep letting yourself, letting your mind be renewed to the idea that He is a good Father. And secondly, is people who are sons and daughters, they live powerfully. They think powerfully because we're not under weak and miserable principles. You know, if you're feeling weak and you're feeling miserable, guess where that might be coming from in my life or in your life? Uh, the, those principles may be the things that are working because the, the, the atmosphere of the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God isn't words but power. It's a complete contrast to this idea of weak and miserable. So, <laughs> 
how do we, we need to be thinking powerful thoughts. We need to be thinking optimistic thoughts. We need to be thinking thoughts that are in agreement with who we really are, um, not in agreement with this weak and miserable way of life that we have been saved and redeemed from. We're no longer under the power of that, so we don't have to think the way that thinks. What's a weak and miserable thought? Well, a weak and miserable thought would be things like, I can't, it's impossible, I'm no good, my past rules my future, there's so many failures. Those kind of things, those are weak and miserable. What kind of things help us think like sons and daughters? Well, things where we start to think powerful thoughts because we're sons and daughters. Like, I can do this. With Jesus, I can do this. I have self-control. My life is counting for something and will count for even more. I have meaning. I have purpose. I have a calling. I can get a new job. I can make a difference in, my, in the realm of society, in the realm of work, in the realm of the world that I am in. I'm there called to make a difference. I am salt and life. I have made mistakes, but they're not terminal and they don't predict my future and they don't constrain me to do that forever and ever. God has a good plan for my life, good and perfect plan. And I believe that and I expect that and I tune my mind in to think that because that's who I am as a son and daughter. I have a hopeful, bright future. Those are thoughts of people who are not plugged into the weak and miserable principles. Number three, you're not swayed by the pressures of the world. You're not squeezed into the world's mold. Uh, because you've been freed from it, the worldly cultural rhetoric, the flow of life, that stuff that we talked about already, that sort of cultural pressure, has no power over you and I. That huge fear agenda that's driving all the way through our society right now for all sorts of reasons has no power over you and I. We are sons. We don't live by fear. We've been freed. Slaves live by fear. We are sons and we're not under fear. Yes, I like to watch the news. I want to be informed, but I have to watch myself that watching the news and trying to understand what's happening in our world and our culture doesn't get the fear thing going on inside of me. So it doesn't fire those fears up. It's not, first of all, number one is the news isn't telling you what the father's doing. It's so important that we don't let the cultural agenda govern our view of what we think God is doing and what we think God is saying. What's happening in our world is relevant, but the most relevant thing we can know is what's the Father doing and what's the Father saying. And it's not always the same thing. And the world can press our buttons and get us angry about stuff and get us foaming at the mouth about this, that and the other thing. But what's the Father saying is going to be the redemptive thing to say into our world's situation, even if it doesn't quite fit the noise that's going on. So that's number one. Don't get sucked into the agenda. Don't let it drive your agenda. Number two is don't let the fear, don't let the fear fire up, up your fears. So, for instance, at the minute, I, I am trying to socially distance. I'm trying to, I'm wearing my face mask when I go into shops and so on and so forth. But I actually, I'm not feeling any fear as I'm doing that. I'm actually motivated because I want to honour the government who's doing the best job they can in an extraordinary set of circumstances. 
and I love my fellow man because I don't want them to be fearful. I don't want them to catch something that I may or may not have. I, I'm doing it because I love people. I'm at peace about this. I'm really excited that I'm at peace. I'm doing it out of love, not fear. And that's where we are. It, even if you're doing the same thing, doing it from a different spirit makes a big impact on the world around you. Live from the Holy Spirit. Live from that place of righteousness, peace and joy, of loving people, not being afraid of what might happen to you or what might happen if you don't. Uh, um, the, the, the bankruptcy of what's going on is, is illustrated, to me anyway, very recently when uh, people started to say that they wanted to pull down the statue of, of Cecil Rhodes. Now, he, he was a racist and he was one of the worst examples of, uh, of the exercise of colonial power in, in Southern Africa. But he was driven by and quoted Charles Darwin. Stay with me. He quoted Darwin because Darwin talks about the survival of the fittest. He talks about natural selection. The whole theory of evolution is based on the best survive and the worst die out. And what Rhodes believed was that the Anglo-Saxons were the best, so we should rule the world. Yay, go us. What a horrible thought. But it was driven by a philosophy rooted in the idea of evolution. How is society going to fix racism if it fundamentally believes in evolution. It can't because evolution fundamentally believes there will be a superior group that will outlive the others, otherwise we can't evolve and improve. So the thing that civilizes us is the thought that we get from God that is all humans are valuable. All humans are made in the likeness of God. All humans are of equal value and to be treasured and human life is is to be treasured and valued no matter who that is where that is or what that looks like this is a transcendent idea that is above race or creed we are all human and we are all loved by that father that puts value that puts significance that puts dignity into every human being and the way that we as believers think about and behave towards every human being who is out there. So this escaping the world system is really important in terms of how we respond to it because we can start to sow in more excellent ways. We can start to sow in what the Father's saying, what the Father's doing, how God feels about all of this rather than just swinging around from one campaign to another. Don't be swayed by the world's pressures don't go along with it just because it's in the news and everybody's thinking it number four we have sons and daughters we have easy intimacy um, we cry out intimately abba father As sons and daughters we enjoy the presence of god easily we delight in him easily we access him easily and actually this ease of connection enhances our hunger and our presence pressing in it doesn't dull it or dilute it i heard some people say yeah but this talk about he's so close just means people don't press in anymore but actually when you know he's close you want to press in and the thing that keeps me away is when i feel that he's disinterested or he's distant or it's hard work no we have easy access we have the original easy access account and it's to the king of heaven it's to the glorious glorious father we have easy intimacy 
Number five, sons, number five, sons embrace the fullness of Christ that's being formed in them. As sons and daughters, we have a true essence. The true essence of your life is Jesus Christ. If you drill down to the core of who you are, it's Jesus Christ. What's trying and wants to come out of you more and more, it's Jesus Christ. And it's not Jesus Christ, the edited version. It's not Jesus Christ, the version of him you or I comprehend. It's Jesus Christ, the full version, which we read in the New Testament. He's the miracle-working Jesus. He's the wise Jesus. He's the loving Jesus. No bits edited out. The, you, the complete essence of who he is, the complete him lives in you and he is wanting to be increasingly formed in your thinking and your behavior and your feelings and my feelings and coming out. That is what it is to be a true child of God, is to be increasingly displaying the full nature of Jesus, the original son to those around us. Number six, we're heirs, sons and daughters, we're heirs of kingdom promises. Sonship qualifies you and I to participate in the full wealth of the Father's resources. Heaven's resources are our resources. So I'm laughing because I'm just thinking where I need some things, I need some resources for. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that, Lord. Uh, all the great Bible promises that you can find, they're all yours. And Jesus has already said the amen to them. Um, that means the so be it, the make it so. If you're a Trekkie, engage. They're yours. And number seven, we see in this chapter, we see how, how these, when they were enjoying the truth of who they were, they were engaging with their spiritual father, Paul, with kind hearts and free spirits. When they became engaged with this more political, more rules-based thing, they started to disengage from him. So uh, true sons and daughters respond well to to spiritual fathers and mothers they have kind hearts and free spirits and, and often if that's disappeared some kind of politicking some kind of rules system may have got into to our hearts that makes us grumpy with those who are spiritual dads I've, I've definitely experienced that myself so that that's that's our, our summary of, of of living free of the world system of rules and performance so that we can live as glorious sons and daughters through whom Jesus is displaying himself in increasing measure. We are not those that go with the flow of the world. We are those that are introducing the leaven of the kingdom. We're introducing heaven's thoughts, heaven's agenda. We're not scared. We're not pressurized. We're not just being squeezed by what's going on around us, no matter how tough it is. And as we do that, we are, we are displaying what the world needs. Uh, at a time it really needs it so let's pray heavenly father thank you thank you so much for setting us free through the cross of jesus and his resurrection setting us free from the principle of performance and rules just to be glorious sons and daughters that enjoy all your resources all your favor all your glory all your image being born in us thank you for the free gift we don't have to perform for it 
you've given it to us as we believed in you uh, you birthed this reality in us so thank you for it father and, and i pray as we we live in these strange times that we'd be increasingly buoyant we'd find increasing grace for you from you for these times and that we would find that our influence is growing and we give us wisdom god i'm just crying out for you how do we get these things that we know like the sanctity of life like like how how jesus really is is right at the core answer identity is the answer to the cry of the human heart uh, help us to know how to connect this into our world so that we can bring healthy answers and healthy influence in jesus name amen <laughs>